The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. An explanation why conflict with error is inevitable. So, why can't we get along? Because our our king's name is not Rodney. Christ. Well, listeners, welcome to the Zero Show, the Zero episode of a new show this season, Trad Controversies. And that was uh, the voice of Father Anthony Chicada giving uh, what I consider to be a, a rather famous sermon on, on why we, we just can't all get along. And before we get into the meat of that and what we'll be talking about today, we'll start uh, our episode, as we do with any episode featuring His Excellency Bishop Daniel Dolan uh, and Father Chicago, who's also joining us, uh, with a prayer. Uh, thank you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. amen. Almighty and everlasting God, who in thy beloved Son, King of the whole world, has willed to restore all things anew, grant in thy mercy that all the families of nations rent asunder by the wound of sin may be subjected to his most gentle rule, who liveth and reigneth forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Your Excellency. As we said at the beginning, this is a, a new show this season, Trad Controversies, and we're going to tackle all of those hot-button issues, ones in which various traditional priests may disagree or traditional religious orders, uh, or things that uh, that are known uh, to be contentious topics, we finally uh, feel it's an appropriate time to address those topics because, as we said from before, Restoration Radio was never intended to simply be a, a polemic uh, apostolate. It was supposed to be a teaching apostolate and deal with the, the larger issues of Catholicism. But now, after three seasons, we feel that it's appropriate to start getting into some of these necessary issues which people will want to grapple with as they make their journey to understanding what has happened since the Second Vatican Council emerged. Well, it's, it's Father Chikata's line, Your Excellency, so I'm going to let you have the first word. Why can't we all get along? Well, Father Chikata said, uh, and, and said it very well, that it has to do with the kingship of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ultimately, of course, that's it. But... Uh, I would take a somewhat different approach. That is to say, if you look at the whole big picture of things, I would like to move my analogy from the sublime throne of Christ the King down to maybe Gregor Mendel and some uh, little garden patch someplace where you see some peas growing in a pod. And I think the reason we can't all get along are some of the peas that grow in this pod. Mind you, any or all of them do stand ready to grow up against the kingship of Christ. But I see the reasons um, as being personalities, personalities, uh, politics, power, power-grabbing, power-hungry people, uh, the little peculiarities of life and of characters, people we, we call a lot of people 
what was that? Well, he's so 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 and so is a character. And then finally, psychosis. Sometimes people are not only called crazy; they really are crazy. And uh, that kind of um, the kind of a mental or emotional imbalance obviously makes it very difficult to get along. That's part of the story. And then the other part of the story is, as Father Chicada says, just on on the on the on the, the mere fact of naked Catholic doctrine. Well, it's a, it's an opposition to the kingship of Jesus Christ. I put my bishop, or I put my little theory, I put my ideas before Catholic truth. Easy as that, simple as that, and that's the reason why we don't get along. Father, do you want to follow up? Uh, yes, maybe I can start a disagreement with Bishop Dolan, <laughs> <laughs> and that'll give us another show. <laughs> At uh, least. <laughs> everything, uh, everything, of course, you said, Your Excellency, of course, was absolutely true, but I would um, add another P, mm-hmm. and uh, that P would be the Pope. Ah, the Pope. The Pope, yes, because uh, um, these other... Um, difficulties that you mention uh, can be somewhat contained, uh, although not completely, if you have the proper lines of authority. The difficulty that we have is the revolution was launched from the top down after Vatican II, and so there's no one ultimately to exercise pontifical power, as it were. So we can add another I guess in there. So since um, uh, you're the principle of unity, then at least a visible unity, um, the absence of that means that you get this process, I think, of disintegration. You know, our Lord said that uh, you strike the shepherd and the sheep are scattered, and that's exactly uh, that's exactly what happened. Now, admittedly, you know, there were lots of conflicts in uh, pre-Vatican II days, uh, even when uh, even when you had uh, even when you had a pope. But uh, it was uh, they became most pronounced in those countries where uh, the pope could not exercise his authority. So, for instance, in in uh, uh, France and uh, in England, when the Pope was having difficulty with the uh, uh, secular power there, the uh, Catholics were sort of left adrift and and uh, ended up uh, uh, fighting with each other and ended up in major conflicts. So, I would uh, I would uh, add that as one additional factor. I think that's uh, that, that that's a very good observation. Obviously, it's 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 quite fair to say, Father. Um, and then, of course, we'd have to mention the United States too, and Ireland. Those would be two two good examples for a lot of clerical and lay conflict, Catholic conflict, when there was indeed a, a as they would say a sitting pope in Rome. Uh, although I'm, I'm I'm sure that uh, this this new series uh, will be will be touching some of these subjects. There are sometimes very bitter disagreements amongst those who are in agreement concerning the the papacy. But then, of course, one could answer, but that would only show because the lines of authority are not there. That's the reason for some of these terribly bitter disagreements. Um, and then, but then uh, history always tells us that 
these things are inevitable. And so it's maybe some for our consolation, we would say, if things were so bad when there was a pope, my goodness, how can you be scandalized or be surprised even that things should be so bad now when it's been so long since there's been a pope? Yes, exactly. Well, and we I, I started us with the end of Father Chicada's sermon, which, which I have to say, I, I told him right away, I, I knew it was one of his lengthier ones. I said, we were talking earlier this week, and I said, Father, I think that's almost 18 minutes. Because that is an extremely long sermon for Father Chicada, but he had a lot of points to make. And at the beginning of that sermon, and you can find it, just um, Google, uh, why can't we all get along SGG Chicada, and you can find this sermon, and it's, it's well worth a listen. But he starts by re- recalling an anecdote from a time in which there was a sitting pope, and there were still bitter disagreements. Mm-hmm. And on some, and on on a uh, there's a sermon floating out there. I need to find it and uh, maybe post it to our Twitter. Uh, Father is giving a talk in the 80s, maybe 83, 84, uh, right when there were all those difficulties. And uh, he's give, it's clearly a, a maybe a room with maybe 50 people in it. And he's talking about uh, he's he's reading this narrative of rival mass centers and denunciations and everyone's. Uh, everyone's sort of uh, taking it all in. And then he reveals he's reading a narrative from from uh, history during during the English recusancy. And so everyone gets a good laugh because he they thought that father was recounting, you know, what's been going on, you know, just in the last year. Yes, but yes. Uh, father was making making the point. I, I suppose all that's all, all that's uh, new, old is new again. Um, and this isn't the first time we see it. And so I suppose. Maybe Father Chicada, would you concede we could put an asterisk by your P? Because even if you do have a pope, it doesn't necessarily fix it, right? Correct, correct. But the he asked if uh, even if you do have a pope, but the that particular situation was uh, in England where a pope could not exercise his authority. In fact, I think as I recall, what got people laughing was uh, that uh, there were two rival mass centers. Both of them were in hotels, and they were hidden mass centers. One was run by the seculars, and the other was run by the Jesuits. And, uh, I mean, that summoned up, I guess, all sorts of uh, all sorts of visions for our own people for problems that they had, uh, they had experienced. But you had... Uh, you, you had uh, obviously less of that when a pope could exercise his authority ultimately. Well, and I, I suppose that that brings us to another point because that sermon I said that you, so this sermon I think that you gave was in 2006, I think. So it was, it was in the last 10 years. But mm-hmm. that conference that I, I said that you gave that was in the 80s, for those of us who are, who are younger, those battles happened before we even knew there was a traditional mass, before they, we even knew um, there was uh, this movement, this group of people who, who had decided to remain Catholic in the face of all of this apostasy. So yes. I think my impression is, and, I, and I'd like you to correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but my impression is those battles are all over. And all we have now are skirmishes and aftershocks of all of the big, let's say, land grab, uh, cattle grab, however you want to look at it, that that all of those wars were fought um, in the 80s, maybe into the 90s. But that's all over now. And we're in this sort of Cold War detente. 
uh, not sorry, not detente, but we're in not a sort of no. uh, not detente yet, I suppose. But this sort of settled situation. Do you agree that is that a fair assessment, or am I being a little too um, curt? Well, I think that generally, generally speaking, you're right. People are where they are. These things have been talked about and discussed, and uh, the faith or the lack thereof, or some version of it, has been passed on to another generation. So yes, I think things are pretty much pretty much settled. There's still movement, of course, back and forth, and, and there always will be. Whenever there's movement, there's a little dust that gets shaken up, and some question from the past might come up. But generally speaking, these, these groups are, are now all very well constituted. They've all staked out their territory, and they all have their bete noirs, and they all have their battles, and their battle lines rather clearly drawn. So I suppose I think that's the case uh, uh, as well, that uh, the uh, issues are somewhat settled, lines uh, are drawn. Although I have to say that uh, more people since the arrival of Bergoglio on the scene are re-examining, more members of the laity are re-examining their own positions and uh, the positions of of, uh, their own group. And I think there certainly has been has been movement there in terms of of, uh, uh, people who are thinking over the question of the Pope. But I I think for our for our purposes, we, we almost need to distinguish that, yes, there is the question of the Pope. And that's 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 worth its own pod. And then, but then on the other hand, there are all these other P's. And as you're as you're speaking, Father, I'm thinking of people or families that I that I know who've, who've as Stephen has, have gone through this whole gamut of different of different positions. And sometimes, for in these cases, I'm thinking of say, like even in our own parish here, um, the the these other things politics and personalities and power questions and peculiarities if not psychoses those have those have reigned those those have claimed a, a lot of a lot of change a lot of readjustment coming here or going there uh, of course sometimes as i say father chicago likes to say geography determines theology so that's maybe that but that doesn't start with a piece so i think we have to sort of discard that um but uh but for 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 the for the rest people people still do make the um they they run the gamut they move from one to another to another based on these on these other p's so they almost maybe still today they almost coexist and as i say when everybody whenever anybody changes for one reason or another or moves then there's some there's a little cloud of dust that will come up into the air again so perhaps it's not all that settled to, to Father Chicada's point, I, I think that Bergoglio has been a sort of Christmas truth uh, in that people have been willing to come out and, you know, uh, listen. Uh, you know, uh, someone was, uh, Father Chicada edited, of course, the Anti-Modernist Reader. And one of the people who bought the book uh, in the comment section said, I'm greetings from the recognize and resist camp. And I, you know, I thought it was, it, to me, that's a perfect example of what Father is talking about. There are people who listen to Restoration Radio, who listen to our work, who, who have been in a position for a long time. Uh, Bishop, uh, Bishop Sandmorn was in London uh, this early, just earlier this month, and someone asked him directly, said, so are you saying if I go to the Unaku Mass with the SSPX on Tuesday, I think it was the Epiphany, that that's, that that's a mortal sin? And, and the bishop said, objectively speaking, yes. And the man was just floored because, of course, the bishop had prepared 
uh, him by explaining why this was the case. And of course, Unukum is an issue that uh, we will get to. Trad controversy is not afraid to get its hands dirty. And this will be one of the topics, a very contentious topic among trads that we'll get into. But we're not going to do that today because it's just our zero episode. And what I wanted to do was focus in on one particular controversy from a long time ago that illustrates for us kaleidoscopically what, what we're talking about. Why do we have trad controversies? What's an example of a trad controversy? Were you satisfied with how you handled it at the time? And as time has worn on, it's been 20 years, are you satisfied with, with how you handled it now? And what I'm going to reference is a little something called a letter. <laughs> this is, this is a, a classic Father Chikata title. Um, and we have to remind our listeners that this is a catchphrase friendly zone. So Father Chikata has invented many catchphrases over the years that you may be using, but you don't know that Father Chikata invented them. One of them, for example, the Motu Mass Trap, invented by Father Chikata. And this, you know, Father Chikata, before the internet invented uh, catchy article titles, Father would, would work on this. And this is a, a perfect example of this. Letter to 10-year-olds who just want to be confirmed. Um, and this was, this was written in March 1990 by, by Father Chikata. So I'm going to tell you all, listeners, go to traditionalmass.org and, uh, and find this article. Um, you'll find it under the subcategory SSPX, Society of St. Pius X. Or you, if you want to be lazy, just type in letter to 10-year-olds who want to get confirmed, Chikata Traditional Mass, and you'll find it. Um, Father, can you give us a preachy of the situation? Um, what, what led you to pen this letter? Well, uh, at that point, uh, having left or been expelled from the Society of St. Pius X, depending on who you uh, listen to, our people didn't have any bishops to go to to uh, get confirmed. And in fact, uh, uh, the, I, I think the actual um, uh, issue uh, came up probably in about uh, 1989. A number of people wanted to go and receive the sacrament of confirmation, and uh, they decided, a number of people from our chapels uh, decided to go over to the Pius X Chapel in Armada, Michigan, where I believe Bishop Williamson was uh, going to confirm. Well, the uh, district superior at that time, Father Francois Lonnais, uh, heard that uh, some people from our chapels were coming over, and he decided that they would get sort of a, a special treatment, that they would have to uh, sign a fairly lengthy declaration as a, a condition for receiving the sacrament of confirmation from uh, Bishop Williamson. And that was the, the origin of uh, this particular article, it, you know, it was my commentary on what the kids were being asked to uh, swear to. Well, uh, do you want to tell us about any of these um, uh, any of these conditions? <laughs> and um, you know, what's wrong with signing a declaration? Uh, you know, Father, aren't we Catholics? Aren't we proud to state our faith? I mean, when you became a priest, you had to take the oath against modernism. I mean, uh, this this could be. Uh, 
an oath of sorts. Uh, what's what's wrong with this? Well, first of all, it was uh, uh, ridiculous because it was a, a, a long uh, list, in effect, of uh, written in, in a rather complex language, asking ten-year-olds, in effect, to repudiate the positions that the Society of St. Pius X said that we, uh, its former members, held. So if um, you uh, go through the whole list uh, of um, different points that they were required to swear to, uh, they uh, had to uh, swear that humility is an essential virtue of capital importance in the religious life, uh, in effect, that the Society of St. Pius X is a, um, uh, properly speaking, some sort of a religious congregation. Uh, they were given language to uh, repudiate the different criticisms that uh, we former members of the Society of St. Pius X had made against the John the XXIII liturgy. That was a, a point of... of uh, uh, conflict with uh, Archbishop Lefevre, and uh, in effect, they were made to sign on to the society's arguments uh, for this. And then, uh, on top of it, there were chunks of Latin in this declaration. So, your ten-year-old was uh, supposed to sign on to uh, this for the following statement. So, the tradition of the church is the transmission of the spirit of faith in aeotum sensu et aeotum sententia. <laughs> now, I, I know that Your Excellency, Bishop Dolan, you were rather uh, uh, rather advanced as a 10-year-old, but I'm not exactly <laughs> sure that you would have <laughs> figured that one out for confirmation. And then uh, even better, <laughs> even better was... <laughs> the fact that the kids had to sign on to a declaration, uh, part of the declaration that uh, said that the 1917 Code of Canon Law explicitly says, quem libet clericum apportet esse vel aliqui diocesi vel aliqui religionem, uh, religione ad scriptum ito ut clerici vagi nulatinus admitatur. Canon one which of course is, is the money line clar clarity vagi nullatenus admitantur. We certainly can't have anything to do with those people because the pretense is, of course, well, we're of course uh, incarnated into uh, uh, a religious order or congregation, which apparently is not validly suppressed. But uh, we're yes, going and, to call. And, and so that's that's the underlying. Vagi. Canonical, a canonical argument that uh, you know little kids are supposed to uh, understand, and it goes on. Independent priests who do not belong to a, a diocese or religious society are absolutely not admissible. That's a Frenchism. Then uh, Prima Sedis a naming judicator, Canon fifteen fifty six. The Pope is judged by no, no one here below. No one is entitled to set himself as judge of the Pope. In case of doubt, the benefit of doubt should be given to the authority. Prayers for him are more useful than criticisms. So I, there's more Latin, and uh, my comment um, on that was still more Latin. I'll bet mom and dad didn't have to sign declarations with Latin and canon law quotes when they were confirmed. <laughs> 
and still more confusion. Does this mean that when the Society of St. Pius X called the Pope an Antichrist, it wasn't judging him? Was it giving him, quote, the benefit of the doubt? Was this really a prayer for him instead of a criticism? What do you think? <laughs> well, and, and of course, to be, to be fair, we all know that Father Chicago was not writing this letter to 10-year-olds, but to obviously, <laughs> hopefully, to, to, to parents of the 10-year-olds uh, who might uh, really reflect and ask themselves some questions. You know, but as I'm, even I, I've read this and I was preparing for the show, so this isn't new to me, and I, I read it a long time ago, and something like this will appear in the Anti-Modernist Reader in later volumes. But to me, this is uh, what I would call the gratuitous Latin quote fallacy. So we're just going to throw in prima sedes ad nemini judicator, not give any context, not give any background to the quote, and just expect that, well, we're going to say some Latin, it sounds really important, and that's going to cover everything. Um, scare tactics. And I will say many things have changed in the last 20 years. But this tactic has not changed. You're right, Stephen. I, in fact, I wanted to make that point that, that we have, as it were, entirely moved on from such a situation, and, and indeed probably from such a position, especially with the Unicum question. But um, the, uh, the, the loony, uh, cult-like uh, uh, slate of hand whereby genuine law, genuine theology, actually even... It, objective facts are are removed or there's they're sacrificed to the loyalty to some kind of an organization or some kind of a leader politics and power that that's a constant that that has never changed with the traditional movement and with some of these groups and i'm sure that it never will their positions will change their latin may change but these these realities don't change and the other thing that doesn't change is the if i may use some latin scandalum pusillanimorum the scandal of the little souls that doesn't change either uh, so you have the situation of uh, innocent, simple people, or even children, being denied the sacraments at some state of a contest church or communion rail, because they go to the wrong mass the rest of the time. Uh, and, uh, and 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 it's the spirit of this not to care when scandal is given. Our Lord says, "Woe to those who give scandal. Better for you, you know, with, the, with the millstone cast into the sea." But these people don't care because. All they care about is the, the party line and the ideology of the moment so as to crush the foe, crush the enemy. That was the spirit of Father Lene. That's the spirit of many a priest and many an organization today. So they have loony theology, which has no connection with reality, loony law, and they don't care about the little ones. Well, and I suppose you should twit, you should add, if we're talking about the Society of St. Pius X, there's got to be a little addition to the, the French problems as well, including Gallicanism in here. Um, because we all know that the reason why Americans uh, can't uh, be in charge of the United States district is because of people like you, uh, <laughs> your excellency, oh, yeah. Father Chicada. Oh, yeah. I mean, Americans certainly can't be trusted to look after the American district. I mean, they may get ideas that, uh, you know, they're working for the Catholic Church rather than for a specific individual. God forbid we should go towards objective truth here or, or revelation. No, no, we have to follow the party line. Although, and I well, will tell you something that in, in addition to the 10-year-old's declaration, that um, students, uh, uh, seminary students in the Pius X uh, seminaries, uh, in the United States, and 
I suspect elsewhere now, are still um, required to sign an oath uh, that, or a declaration that repudiates uh, the positions that we took in 1983 uh, against what Archbishop Lefebvre was trying to do. Is it the same oath that was uh, accidentally placed in Father O'Hearn's mailbox? <laughs> yes, so, yes, right. I think so. And um, uh, I think that that has become universalized. And I think it was um, uh, some former inmate of one of the Pius X seminaries uh, told me that that was um, uh, dropped on you as sort of a surprise before the subdiaconate all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so you didn't really have time to uh, think about it. Well, it was very precious of them. They, they were participating in the theology of surprises before that was even around. <laughs> Uh, See that, that know, constant, they have that constant spirit of loyalty to the Holy Father, Stephen, all the way through. It's just so edifying. <laughs> I mean, you, should, you have to say, Father, your Excellency, you should be proud. You are still influencing the formation of seminarians in the Society of Saint Pius X from beyond the grave. I mean, even <laughs> if you're gone, you're still influencing how their seminarians are being formed. So I think that's something. Oh that's yes. About. I, I, I want to ask a historical question. I don't think this question has been asked before because this uh, article has not been a topic of conversation for you really in the public sphere since the 90s, probably. So my question is twofold. One, how did you feel at the time about these people going to get confirmation? Uh, ostensibly, they'd be participating in Unicum Mass. You didn't necessarily have any um, bishops of your own for recourse. Um, so that's my first question. And secondly, looking back on it now, are you pleased with how you handled the situation? Uh, we didn't know about, or we had just perhaps just had begun to hear about the whole question of the Unicum Mass uh, when this situation had arisen. And uh, therefore, it was uh, we sort of an anachronism to try to think in those terms. Oftentimes, people will say to us, "Aha, you changed your position." Father Chicada then will always answer, "Well, yes, aha, I found some facts. I found something I didn't know about. So of course, I changed my position. That's what any thinking man would do, or a Catholic." <laughs> could you, so, could you imagine asking Saint Paul that question? Your Excellency. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Saint Paul can't be trusted. I mean, the man was there when you murdered Saint Stephen. Right. Yeah, he changed his position. He's no good. So it it, uh, it would be an anachronism in that sense. And obviously, had we to do it over again today, we would have approached the, the question in an entirely different way. But as I say, what uh, what 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 lasts in in all of this is is the insight into the the, the mentality of the cult pack and how they will twist everything for their ends and for their purposes, and how they do indeed despise the little ones. Those two things don't change. So uh, I would say the same thing, that uh, at that point we didn't uh, really have uh, all of the uh, points of, of the article about uh, of the question of the unicum uh, settled and, and, uh, and uh, nailed down. So while... Uh, we were certainly uh, nervous about the idea of, of people going to uh, some sort of a, a, a Pius X function. While we didn't think certainly that was the ideal, we didn't see it in as um, 
clear a light as uh, as we would now. Yes. And uh, as the bishop said, it was a good opportunity to, uh, in retrospect, to uh, bring out some of these uh, different ideas, to, to point out how crazy the theology of the group is. This is probably a good time to remind our listeners that you are listening to Trad Controversies Episode Zero on the Restoration Radio Network. I'm Stephen Heiner, and you've been listening to His Excellency Bishop Daniel Dolan and Father Anthony Chicada. And today we've been talking about uh, what, why, why do trad controversies exist? And Bishop Dolan has given uh, some some thoughts to us, Father Chicada. And now we've been examining in a bit more of a of a surgical way uh, a particular trad controversy from from the '90s. We want to remind you that trad controversies is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. Permission can usually be very easily obtained by writing to mail. M-A-I-L at truerestoration.org. So from what I'm hearing, Your Excellency, it's sort of interesting. There's there's this meta question within your evaluation of your past self that if you weren't happy with how you dealt with it, it was only because you didn't know what you know now or you hadn't investigated it deeply enough. And I think that that's something, if we're looking at trad controversies and we're, we're asking trads to grapple with these issues, that we really need to divorce ourselves from the ego of, well, you know, uh, this is my position and I have all these friends at the school and what about my parish life? And you're asking me that ultimately, whenever we're examining something that could ultimately rock your world, to put it in the, in the modern parlance, that, that can't be an excuse to stop examining the question because that yeah, certainly, certainly was going to affect you, wasn't it? Of course, because I mean, if, if it's true, it's true. But how often do people say that about sedevacantism in general? Uh, from Archbishop Lefebvre, may rest in peace on down. Well, this couldn't be true because dot, 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 dot. But it is true. So because it's true, it's true. And therefore, I guess we'll just have to deal with the rest as best we may. But at least we know this is true. And as far as the idea of changing one's position, I mean, if uh, one did not look at uh, facts and at uh, principles and just clung to the idea, well, I'm not going to change my position, uh, most of us would still be back at the Novus Ordo. Yes. So uh, the uh, you can't expect to have a, a, everything um, uh all of the mysteries, as, as, as it were, of the uh, post-Vatican II Church, the questions of authority and theology, and how you reconcile these different uh, issues, uh, resolve for yourself uh, at once and sort of infused into your little head. It doesn't work that way. It, it, we uh, have to investigate. We uh, uh, have to change. We have to look for the truth. Yeah. So I think that's what I want to close this episode out with, Your um, and Father, is as people are examining these issues, because you're not going to ask them to take your word for it, because that's what a lot of these other groups do. They say, look, this is our position. We send out an email. We send out this declaration. Um, read these Latin words, get intimidated, and, and just go along. What are, if you could just say one or two tips for the layman who is not going to necessarily take your word for it as we go through episode after episode after episode this season, what would you tell them to think about or to work on as, as we're working through these issues? I, I think we would, we, we would start by saying that 
the truth is one, and the truth is simple. And then on the other hand, when you're doing these topics, you probably can't avoid canon law, theology, or the odd Latin phrase. Nevertheless, it's all very simple. And I would say that, that, that our listeners today have the advantage of having eminent minds like Father Chicada, Bishop Sanborn, breaking it down for them. And, but they're always saying, don't take my word for it. It's not because of some group or some title no, or, or some sacrament I'm holding over your head. No, uh, don't take my word for it. This is, the, this is the teaching of the Church. It will show you where it is the teaching of the Church. We'll show you where these other ones are wrong, and we'll show you, too, how, how it is that no one has ever been able to answer these arguments. It, that, that's just, this, that hasn't happened. So, in other words, we're speaking not from our personal authority, but we're thinking, speaking from the authority of Catholic truth. That's what makes the difference. I would say this, that in uh, the question of, of the different arguments... The beauty of a, a good theological argument is that it's simple. You see that in, in St. Thomas. You know exactly what your uh, the major principle, your general principle is. You know exactly what your minor principle is. And you can see clearly the link between that and the conclusion. The articles that we've written on the question of uh, the Pope the underlying arguments are very, very simple and very easy to uh, understand that the Church cannot defect by Christ's promise. The Church can't give you evil, can't give you an evil mask, can't give you error. It's impossible for Christ's authority to do something like that. But these people who apparently had this authority did exactly that, and that's why we are where we are as trads. So one side of that equation or the other has to go, and the faith tells us that it's the second part of that, that these people did not possess authority. And how you explain that is actually very simple as well. So it, it's, it's, um, it, it does not really have to be complex with an issue such as the issue of the Pope or an issue such as the question of the Unicum uh, Mass, the underlying argument uh, is easy to understand and easily documented. Well, I think that's as good as advice as any, and I think it's a great way for us to end our, our zero episode, the, the preview for what we'll be talking about this, this season on Trad Controversies. As always, Your Excellency, um, thank you so much for your time, and, and Father, thank you as well. And uh, we'll be varying between, although they were together for, for this episode throughout the season, uh, we'll have um, either His Excellency or Father Jakarta separately to talk about uh, these various trad controversies. Um, but as always, uh, thank you for your time and thanks for joining us today. You're very welcome. God, God bless you. Thank you so much. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found the show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and to your faith, that you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who helped make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a mass, a rosary, or even a simple ave for our work the next time that you pray. For the Restoration, I am Stephen Heiner. May God bless you.
This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.